All right. All right. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Hey, thanks for uh, coming on out. It's been beautiful weather, hasn't it, the last couple of days? Been able to go out. I know yesterday we had uh, um, baseball practice in the morning, and then my older son, Parker, he had uh, two games yesterday that they won both. So that was, uh, it's always good to win, right? I mean, he, I mean, but, but uh, it was just fun to go out and play and see the boys play baseball and just, uh, just have a good time being with family and enjoying that. And so that's one thing I have to admit. I have to admit that during this whole COVID uh, situation, I've enjoyed, uh, I'll be honest, I've enjoyed having Sundays at home a little bit with my family and just being able to be together sometimes and not have anything to do, right? Not having an agenda or a schedule or anything that we have to do. And so as much uh, as fun as it is to be able to get back into baseball and those things, I have to admit, it's been nice for us to take a break, right? I think God needed, we, I think God knew we all needed a break, right? We were all running crazy and rampant. And uh, God said, you know, let's put a little pause on everything. Let everybody reassess what our lives are doing and who we are. And so I do appreciate that about COVID, that we've had that chance to just look at our lives and say, whoa, what can we do to slow down? And so um, hopefully you found some positives in it. I know there's a lot of fear and anxiety that came with it as well. But, you know, God always does things for a reason. And so it's important for us to try to look at those and find those reasons in it, no matter what we do. And so today I get to continue our what next, What's Next sermon series talking about our community. And what I'm going to focus on in that word community is one word that I believe is really important. And it's called unity, right? Community is in that word, community. And so um, as I was thinking about unity and I was thinking about this message, we're going to spend our time in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, um, and verses 10 through 17. We're just going to kind of walk through that. But I was thinking, like, what does a community look like, right? What does our community look like? So I think most of us can picture our community, Germantown or Washington or Metamora or East Peoria, Peoria, wherever we live, that's our larger community, right? But within those communities, we have what? We have different groups of people, right? So my mind went to a movie or a book, if you're a book reader, but my mind went to the movie Divergent. How many of you guys have seen Divergent? You guys seen that movie? Some of you, how many of you have read the books? Maybe you're the, you're the true hardcore fans and you like to read the books, right? That's good because you get more details in the books, but I like the movies. So, uh, but, so I thought about the, the movie Divergent, and so I want to explain it to you if you've never seen the movie. It's pretty simple. There, it's a post-apocalyptic world after a war. There's this large community in the city of Chicago. We love Chicago, right? We love Chicago visiting, right? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> But, but that's about it. Um, but so they're, they're based in Chicago. And what's happened is this community has been broken up into five different factions. Okay. A faction. And I'll explain that a little bit here. But these five factions are, are the following. Abnegation. Their goal is to be simple, selfless, and the public servants. Then there's am- amity. They're the farmers. They, love, they, they enjoy kindness and happy. They're kind of the hippies, right, of the group. How many farmers are hippies? How many? <laughs> Steve's over there. Woo! All right. Um, then there's candor, who has, they value honor or order and uh, honesty. They'll tell you the truth, no matter if you want to hear it or not. And then there's erudite. They're the intelligent, the logical. They're the scientists, right? They know everything. And then there's the dauntless, which is kind of funny because in the movie, they say they're the brave and the fearless, but we would probably call them the rebels, right? They're the ones, of course, if you know a cop, they probably were a rebel, right? At one time or another in their life, they're a little bit, you know, a little bit more like to push the envelope. But 
But that's good because they know what envelopes we shouldn't break, right? Exactly, right? So, um, but that's what Donald says. So there's these five factions that exist in this new world that they've created. And here's what I want, I want us to, to remember is that factions are good, okay, in, in, in some ways, right? Paul refers to the body of Christ in, in, in the New Testament as, I would say, factions. Our arms and our ears and our eyes and our nose, they're all faction of our body, right? When they work in unison, they work well. But as we're going to see, there's also some opportunities where factions don't work well together. At age 16, in this world, in this movie, Divergent, they go take a test to find out where they belong, right? And who, what faction they fit in and where their place is in the world. And, and so throughout the movie, really, the rest of the movie is really focused on people that don't belong in a faction and how they exist outside of a faction. But today, as we look at 1 Corinthians 10, I really want us to understand what a faction is. And here's what a faction, according to Webster's Dictionary, is. It's a group or clique within a larger group, party, government, organization, or the like. So it's a clique. We don't like that word, really, do we? Most times we don't. Even in churches, we don't like that word because there's different groups or different cliques. We have those in our schools, right? We have those in our workplaces. We have those cliques that exist, these factions that exist. But as we look at 1 Corinthians, I want us to see how this plays out in the Corinthian church. So as you open up your Bible, let's look at verse 10 there in 1 Corinthians. And I want to read this to you. And we're going to spend a little bit of time here and, and kind of digest a little bit what Paul's saying. So let's read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. The same mind and the same judgment. Now, I want you to understand something first about Corinthians, the church of Corinth, okay? Now, Corinth, before the Romans took it over, um, it was ruled by the Greek, uh, Greeks, and uh, they were actually a community that was pretty, uh, pretty wealthy. They had a lot of knowledge, but they also liked to ingest in the good things in life. So they were known as drunkards. They had the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And so you can imagine what that means, right? You can imagine what the goddess of love does. She had a thousand uh, 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 priests that would come into the city every night and they would offer themselves to the city of Corinth, right? It was a city that was full of sin, full of sin. So the Romans took it over and it kind of continued its name. It was a very wealthy city, but it continued that lifestyle. So Paul, on his journeys, comes in Corinth, Corinth. He tells people about Jesus. A lot of people say yes to Jesus. And so this church has been created by Paul. And here in this first chapter, we start to see, though, that there are some factions developing in the church, right? I think in the beginning, good factions. We'll break these down a little bit later, but eventually those things start to deteriorate. But what I love to see here is how Paul addresses the Corinthian church. He says, first, he says, brothers, I appeal to you, brothers. Now, it wasn't like a teacher or like a cop going, hey, you, hey, you person, hey, you people. You remember me? I'm Paul. Remember me? It wasn't like that. No, it was like, hey, brothers, hey, sisters, do you remember me? Man, we started this thing together. Do you remember this? He's speaking out of love. He's speaking out of kindness. 
He's speaking out of a broken heart to them, saying, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Now, when you go down and you look in the Greek and the Hebrew in this, and you understand the words that Paul is using there, he's actually talking to two hostile parties here, okay? Two parties that are on opposite ends of the spectrum, and he's going like, hey, that all of you would agree. I want you all to agree. We're starting to see some tears in these factions. And then he continues on, he says, that there be no divisions among you. And the word there is a medical term that he uses to knit bones and joints together. He's asking that this church in Corinth, that there be no hostile parties involved, that they would come together and they'd be knitted together. But I think it's important for us to also realize that these factions at one point did work together. And it leads me to one of my first points, that factions create friction. They create positive and negative friction. The Bible reminds us that iron sharpens iron, right? There's, there's a lot of good things that we have when our factions work together. We help each other be better. We encourage each other. We hold each other accountable. We push each other on to do good things, right? That's positive friction. But then when negative friction happens, things start to tear apart. They start to rip apart. We start to see divisions created in those factions. I want us to also look, though, because... Paul, I think, speaking a little bit out of his own lessons as well. Because in Acts 15, we see where Paul and Barnabas, who went out on their first missionary journeys together, worked hand in hand. They worked tied together, united in purpose. But Barnabas brought along with him John Mark. And John Mark didn't really impress Paul. So they go out onto another missionary trip. And guess what? Barnabas, Barnabas says, hey, I want to bring John Mark. And Paul's like, uh-uh, you ain't bringing him, uh-uh. And Barnabas was like, why not? He's a family member. I love him. I care for him. Paul's like, man, you remember what he did last time? Mm-mm. So Paul and Barnabas split ways. And Paul takes Silas, and they go on their journey, and Barnabas and John Mark go on their journey. But the important thing to remember is that they both still continue the work of God. That happens in churches today, right? Two parties may not agree, but we can still go do God's will, right? We can still go do what God's called us to do. But our goal is to be united the best we can. But we know we're human. We know we fail at that. We see that in our world today, don't we? We see that with all the stuff that's going on with the disunity of what the color of your skin is and how the media just ransacks that and plays that up and makes it just horrible in our world and how everybody gets a voice so loud that it just tears us apart. We see it in our workplaces and our schools and our churches. But we need to be reminded that we're human, that God forgives. And we do the best we can to work together and that factions create friction, sometimes positive. Sometimes negative. But one thing that's always a constant reminder is that God is always in control and that God's way 
and his will will always prevail. Amen? Amen. Let's take a verse, look at verse 11 here. And the next verse, Paul continues on. It says, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. 1 Corinthians 1, 11. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I think this is something for another sermon series, but I think it's, rem- it's a great reminder that if we're going to say something to somebody in the church, if we're going to say something to somebody at school or in our jobs or on our teams, whatever it is, we need to be willing to be quoted. We need to be willing to be quoted. If you're not willing to be quoted, then don't say it. Amen? This is where gossip comes in, right? And in our world with social media and Twitter and texting and all these different things, it's so easy for us to live in that world. But be willing to be quoted. Chloe and her household was willing to be quoted here in this scripture. Let's move on. And this is where I want to spend a little bit more time. This is where we'll see our factions start to play out. And let's read verses 12 through 17. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, here's where we start to see those factions happen, right? Paul's breaking it down for us, and here we have four parties, okay? I think we have the four Four parties here, you know, in America we only have two, maybe three, right, parties, Republican, Democrat. Is the Green Party still around? Nope, Green Party's gone. We've got the Liberal Party, right? That's in Seattle. They took over six blocks, right? So, uh, but, but, but we have these different parties in our world, right? Now here we have four parties in the Church of Corinth, and I think the first one is the party of Paul, right? It's the faction of Paul, and I would say these are the loyalists, Right? These are the guys and the girls that when Paul came to town and they established the church, they're the ones that said, hey, we're with Paul. Paul, we're with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, we're with you. We're going to follow you, right? They're the loyalists. They were there from the beginning. Then I think we have the faction of Apollos, okay? And with, with Apollos, we have some nice picturesque words throughout the New Testament explaining who Apollos was. He was, he was uh, from Athens or Alexandria, he was a Jew. He was very good at speaking. He was an eloquent speaker. He was very smart. And a lot of the theologians believe he was also a philosopher. He liked to sit in a white robe and eat grapes and talk about the world, right? Um, and so he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a very appealing person to follow. So we have the faction of Paul, the faction of Apollos, and then we have the faction of Cephas, which is another name for Peter, and we'll call these guys the traditionalists. Apollos' people, they were kind of more the stylistic ones. They, they loved him for who he was and how he presented, right? And the ones for Peter are the traditionalists. They're the legalists. They're probably more so the Jews. Paul reached more of the Gentiles, right? And Peter reached more of the Jews. His wife also came along with them. So, you know, Apollos and a 
and uh, Paul were not sure if, if their wives were with him or not. So everybody's like, hey, he's the married one. We want to be with him, right? Because he's got a family. He understands what kids are, right? These other two guys, they probably don't know what kids mean to them. So, so that, there's all these, these things that unite them with, with Peter. Also that he followed Jesus. He was an apostle and he was a reformer. And then we have the faction of Christ. Now, a lot of people, a lot of, not people, but theologians believe that this wasn't like following Jesus Christ. It was like they're the super spiritual, like the holy, holy rollers, right? I grew up in a holy roller church. So, but we did. They were jumping around the pews, everything. It was crazy. Loved it. It was awesome. But, um, <laughs> mom, you remember that, don't you? <laughs> My mom didn't do the jumping, but maybe not. I don't know. I was maybe too young to see that. Maybe. I don't know. But, um, but these, this faction of Christ, a lot of, a lot of theologians believe these were more those more that they named it and, and they, they proclaimed it, but they lived a different life, right? And so they followed the faction of Christ. But I think the big thing for us to remember in this is that these Corinthians were following a man, right? They're following an individual like me. Like Pastor Dan or Pastor Chase or like any of us in this room. They're following a man who what? Who fails. Who sins. Who falls. Who's prideful at times. Right? Who doesn't always do what's right. They're following a man instead of the God behind the man. Right? They become a faction follower of Peter or Paul or Apollos. They failed to follow the God behind the man. See, I think it's a great reminder for us that we don't, we don't want to be a groupie, right? We make fun of groupies, right? I mean, I, living in the band world, you know, you always see and watch the documentaries of all the groupies and all these different people. And, and we make fun of them because they live for the band, right? They live for the NBA star, they live for the NFL star, and they'll do whatever it takes to get to that because that person's been elevated in their mind and whatever that person is or whoever they are, they can do no wrong. They're the best defender, they're the best guitar player, they're the best singer, right? They're the best whatever, teacher, whatever they are. And here, here's the struggle. When I was in youth group, my youth pastor, Dave, man, I loved him. I love Dave. And when he left the youth group because of some marital issues that they had, it crushed me. It absolutely crushed me. I remember being on the stage on his final night and I remember being just barreled over in tears because I couldn't contain how hard it was for me to lose this guy who impacted my life. I think that's important for us to understand that it's okay for us to look to an individual, to look to a person that they motivate us and that they, they encourage us and that they push us and that they challenge us and that they, they pour their lives into us. But one thing I did realize, not on that stage per se, but later on, is that so much I looked more to Dave than I did to God. I wanted to be like Dave. Not like Jesus. And it's important for us to realize that I want to be like Jesus. 
And I need to make sure that Dave is imitating Jesus, right? Not that I can't look to him. Not that he can't encourage me. Not that I can't find a good example in that. But I need to make sure that I'm going back to God's word and making sure that what he does and what he says is what Jesus does and says. Amen? Because the God behind the man or the woman is who we want to follow. Not just the man. See, who you follow matters. Who you follow matters. In social media, it's extremely important that if you're a YouTuber or a, you know, an Instagram guy, that you have followers. I want to follow Jesus. Paul says it best, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right? He says it best. It's not about Paul, and we're going to read this here in a minute, but it's about Jesus. It's about imitating who Jesus is. So I'm a music guy, you know, so you guys ever seen one of these? It's a piano tuner, or it's a tuning fork, right? You might have seen a doctor's office, they can hit it and they put it on your knee and, right, whatever, do that. They can also use the other thing, right? Sometimes they go hand in hand. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? That's right. So, but I, but I heard this example, this illustration I loved. And, and it, it, this, this preacher was using pianos as an, an example. And I, and I love just the picture that he paints. He says, imagine we had 15 or 20 pianos just lined up in front here on the stage, right? And the first piano down here, we're going to take a tuning fork. We're going to take a digital piano tuner. We're going to tune that piano to that tuning fork or to that digital piano tuner, Right? But the following pianos, we're going to tune to the previous piano. So one, we're going to, so two, we're going to tune to one. Three, we're going to tune to two. Four, we're going to tune to three. Five to four, all the way down the line. Now, logically, we think, oh, that's going to work, right? That's going to work because the first one was tuned. But guess what? Our ears are not what? They're not perfect. The digital tuner, the tuning fork, these are tuned. These are milled to the exact frequency that that first piano needs to resonate to, right? But as we get down the line, as we tune it by our ears, eventually when we get down to this piano, it's not going to be in tune anymore. See, I think this is what happens in our world Rather than tuning our lives to God's word, which would be the first piano, there becomes an individual in our life, a man or a woman. Maybe, maybe they're number two piano, right? They're close. Man, they're close. But we start to follow them. And we're just a little bit out of tune. So, so minute you can't hear the difference really. But eventually we start to let other influences in our life. And as we go down the row of pianos, we get farther and farther and farther out of tune with God's word. Because rather than looking to Jesus and confirming that those people are following Jesus, we're trusting that they are in tune. But we need to use God's word to make sure that they're in tune just as much as that first piano is, because God's words will never fail us, right? 
God's word will never fail us. Paul encouraged the Pereans to hear the words that are spoken and go home and test them to find that they are true. And so this is the same example. Make sure that our pianos, our lives, make sure that they are tuned to God's word, not just to somebody else that we're following. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 18 through 23, I believe it is there. I'll let you get there, and here's what it says. Let no one deceive himself if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age. Let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise and the craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ. And Christ is God's. See, I think a lot of times when we tune our lives to other people, we're not intentionally doing it. It happens so easily. It's easy for us to not realize we're just a little bit out of tune. But Paul right there in those verses just reminds us that let's not proclaim that we are wise. Help us to be humble. Help us to always be willing to let the Lord retune our lives. To be in tune with him. Earlier on, Paul reminds us that whether Paul plants and Apollos waters, he reminds us that God is the one who gives the increase. Each one of us, each one of us has the same Holy Spirit that lives in us, that gives us the power and the strength to tell people about Jesus. Yes, he's given some of us different giftings and that's okay, but as we work as factions together in the body of Christ, there is more power in us together than there is a, of us individually. Great Oaks has existed since 1997 as a church here in Germantown Hills. And it'll exist for years and years to come, decades to come. And some of us will stay and some of us will go, but God will still use Great Oaks as long as we keep this church crowded and tuned into who he is. And there may be hard times. There have been hard times. But God is faithful. It's not the first time, right, Mark? 
God has always been faithful. But we need to remain humble, so humble, but for who God is. Because we work towards unity. We work together towards that as best we can. And sometimes it doesn't work out, and that's okay. But as a church, let us commit together that we're going to stay in tune with each other. Because God's bigger than all of us. God is bigger than me. He's bigger than Dan. He's bigger than Chase. He's bigger than anybody who's ever been on the stage. And his will will prevail no matter what. And there are people in our community that are dying and going to hell that need to hear about Jesus and who he is. And that is our job, not just my job, not just the pastor's job. It's our job as a church to share that news with them. I pray in America that we stop looking to what I would call all-star pastors. And I think COVID just shared this with us, that we need to look to each other. How can we be the church outside these walls? Not just something we attend, but something we live day in and day out together. Because there's people who are out of tune with Jesus and they need that hope that we have. And we love them where they're at. No matter what they've been through, no matter what they're in, we love them where they're at. So today, watching online, if maybe you're just completely out of tune with Jesus, and that's okay. I know he wants you to be in tune with him. And you can click on the little button that says, I want to raise my hand or I want to ask for prayer. Do that right now. And the host there will walk you through that of how you can say yes to Jesus so you can be in tune with him again. Maybe in this room, maybe that's where you're at. It's like, God, I need to get tuned to you. Maybe it's just slowly, slowly as the music's played, you've gone out of tune and you just need to turn your life back to Jesus and say, God, just put me back in tune. Sometimes that isn't always fun. Sometimes it hurts a little bit, but you know, that's okay. God's word reminded us that a little bit of discipline is okay for us to, to incur because it's good for us, right? Especially when it's done in love as Jesus does it. think one last thing is that we can be reminded that harmony can only be found in Christ alone. I don't know if it's on the screen or not. That's okay. There you go. Harmony together can be found in Christ alone. And so as we bow our heads this morning, I just want us just to, maybe if you're feeling you're out of tune a bit, Maybe this just be a time where you can say that prayer. Say, God, help me get back in tune with you. Help me be in harmony with you, God. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, 
I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, sometimes it's hard. God, you love your church so much, and your church will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, God. And I just pray that as we continue forward, as we look to our community of Great Oaks, Lord, that you help us be unified in purpose and in strength. God, and that there be no more factions, Lord, that rise up that are negative, Lord, that there'd be only positive groups of individuals who are on mission to let this world know of the hope and the love that you have for them. And Lord, that each of us, empowered by your spirit, God, that we can go out, God, and see things in your name. God, see things in your name, in your name alone, God, done. The people, God, who are broken and hurting, God, that their lives would be restored, that addictions would be broken. Lord, that people who are separated at one time, God, that they find reconciliation. Lord, that you help marriages in this room. God, that you help marriages online. People who are struggling. We are the body of Christ. Help us to care for each other. That the world may know us, God, by our love and how we love each other. No matter where we're at, no matter how tuned or out of tune we are, God, let the world see your love in us. Lord, I thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. God, I look forward to the future of Great Oaks. Lord, I look forward to the future of this church, Lord, and of this community as we get to share your love with them. Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, for what you've done, God, and what you're going to do. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Well, thank you for letting me share today. just want to remind you, if you're not in a life group, man, we'd love to have you in one. I know summertime is a little bit harder, but maybe it's a great time just for a group, for you to join a group for a cookout or a hangout or something, just to get to begin that process of knowing them. And as we open up these doors more and more with Kids Town and with students and as COVID hopefully continues to fade away. I know uh, the numbers keep rising as we get out, but that's to be expected some, right? Because we're out and about. We're gonna continue to pray for healing and health and strength for each of us. But I know I'm also praying that God, you keep it at bay because we've got work to do. We've got the good news to tell people about. And it's, an opportunity that we have to do it online, but man, it's so good to be able to do it in person, to be able to love on each other and see each other face to face, to be the faction that is positive, to encourage each other and to strengthen each other and sharpen each other, to be that community. 
God, thank you for that. Thank you for allowing us to have that, to be together and to share that. All right, next week, we're going to continue on the next series with our example. And uh, I know it's going to be great. So thank you again for being here this morning. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up together. We're going to sing this song out. Build your kingdom here. And let's be reminded it's God's kingdom. Amen. It's not ours. Let's sing it.